Our guest tonight is the legendary guitarist and performer Danny Marks. As far back as I can remember, I wanted to play guitar. Since we didn't have one, I just plunked on my granddad's old violin until my parents bought me a ukulele. From the time he was a kid until he joined the very popular band Edward Bear in 1969, Danny Marks has always loved guitar. We somehow bridged the gap between blues and pop, getting the hit singles, but really stretching out in concert, Mark says about Edward Bear. Deeply influenced by blues music and the beauty of electric guitar sounds, Marks has made a steady career as a much beloved and highly revered entertainer and radio host on Blues FM, Saturday nights at 8 p.m. on Jazz FM 91. This is Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Doug McLean. So how are you, how are you keeping? Well, mostly uh, we're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be that uh, if we went for two weeks without playing, uh, you know, uh, at a club or a venue, yeah, we just didn't know who the hell we were anymore. Right, yeah. But now, uh, after two years and counting, I've sort of grown acclimatized, and I think I put I put performance into a into a place where I, I don't need it to just have a, a decent life. Right. Um, but especially because we've been able to get this record out, I really feel that I've sort of gone above what it used to be. And you know, I, I'm looking forward to playing again. But and I love playing for people. And we finally did after two years a little gig in the park for kids for the hike for hospice. And it felt great to be playing again, even though it was a 20-minute version of You Are My Sunshine. <laughs> and the kids danced, and there was like a little bit of rain. and Yeah. It, you know, but, you know, you can't live on nightclub performances and, and matinees alone. It's great to be recording. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the ultimate of what we're trying to do. Plus, being on radio, as you know, right. it's great. And, yeah. and uh, what you guys bring to radio uh, with the Hunter's Bay, I mean, uh, Doug, you really serve your community, if that's a way to put it, yeah. and the musicians in your in your range so beautifully. And uh, and I know from the times I've been up there, the Hunter's Bay really connects with people all throughout that area and beyond. Yeah. And so you know that even without the regular gigs that we lo- we've depended on, we can get by. Right. Yeah, um, uh, a lot of guys have been sort of slow to get started in Toronto, I've noticed, but uh, uh, lots of guys are out there doing tours, so it's I'm I, I not playing. <laughs> I'm scared to. <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd have Well, same to, here to a degree. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, we're, we're not that anxious to get back. You know, another thing is that if we become into a cashless society, all these pay-what-you-can gigs where people put coins or paper money into a tin cup for the musicians. Yeah. Like, well, how are those gigs going to work? Yeah. The guy's got to go around with a, what do they call it, a square. And, you know, you tap in your... <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, it's going to be a real challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, things are changing so rapidly. Anyway, Danny, I wanted to start... <laughs> excuse me. I wanted to start... Thanks for Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, it's a great privilege to have you on the show. I wanted to start with the single, uh, Man on the Radio, which seems to be a great place to start. It's a great single. And uh, I understood you to say to me that you were going to try to release one of these uh, singles once a month or something to that effect. But uh, has that, uh, maybe you're waiting. Have you got a strategy around how you're going to roll this out? Um, there's two questions First, i do in fact yeah no it's cool i do i mean you know what we want to do and then what we're able to do right in reality can often be two different things and uh one a month is maybe that's more than i can handle but i do have an idea for what the next song would be because uh being how people often think of me as being this sort of a blues person uh but i grew up with all kinds of music and right. i love all kinds of music Obviously, man on the radio is not a blues. No, that's, that's a, fine. Yeah, it is a, my own 
it's my own thing, right? Right. And that's what we all search for. Yeah. And there it is. We found it. Yeah. But the next single, uh, the plan is that it will be pretty firmly in the blues territory. Okay. And uh, I think it'll surprise some people, but also I want it to have a universal appeal. Yeah. You know, we're man on the radio is personal, and I wanted to speak my own truth. Uh, there's a broader truth that we're going to address in the next single, and it has to do with love and about how to hold on to love right. and how to make sure that you that good love stays alive and well and, and is and is nourished. So right. that's the next plan. I've got the song written. I've got a demo made. And Doug, that's how I make my demos. Yeah. Up there in the third floor studio. Right. I record my guitar, my vocal. I put some bass and drums on it, maybe some other stuff, and then I give it to the producer. And you know, when you can't gather to do a session because of all of the fears of COVID, yeah. hey, how many people do we know who've got who got it? Yeah. My doctor says sooner or later we're all going to get it. Yeah. But yeah. now we've had to record these songs uh, in our own homes right. and through file sharing. Right. What an experience. Yeah. To sound like you're in the same room, <laughs> but to be all yeah. each in your own studio. You're yeah. really got to be an empath. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's changing uh, the dynamics on how a lot of uh, fellows are recording. Uh, do you mind me asking who did produce Man on the Radio? Uh, oh, do I don't you? mind at all. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, um, you know, when we used to see records uh, in the olden days, you'd read those liner notes, yeah, and it would be just a beautiful discussion of the music and the artist, and but you could read between the lines, or you had to look into it to see. Who are the session musicians who played on different records? Yeah. And who's producing and who's doing what? Yeah. And who's engineering and where was it recorded? And you had to really research that stuff. But now when you watch a movie, for instance, the credits are almost as long as the film. <laughs> you know who the second gaff boy is yeah. and all of that sort of thing. So I thought, you know what? I, I, I'll, if people ask, I'm delighted to say the man who produced Man on the Radio is a fellow named Elliot. Saren. Oh, okay. And although his name isn't that that well known to everybody, as as much as some producers are, he is very well known in the Toronto business right. of music and surrounding area. Uh, he has an affiliation with uh, Metalworks Studio. Okay. So he's been a teacher out there to teach their recording classes. Right. He's worked with a number of other people, most notably um, Jerome Godbu. And oh, uh, at really? least among those I know, and yeah. it was Greg Godovitz, Godo, yeah. who said, why don't you call Elliot? Yeah. Because I had tried uh, my regular bunch of people that I usually work with, and they were all caught up in different conflicts and different. So Elliot Saren produced it, right. and Elliot ran it through some equipment that used to belong to the great George Martin uh -huh. of the Beatles. Right, yeah. And uh, he has access to an incredible recording studio in Toronto called Subterranean Sound. Oh. And it's sort of a secret, but now that I've let it out of the bag, everybody knows. Excellent. And at Subterranean Sound, among the equipment they have is George Martin's old Neve board, right. I believe from Montserrat. Right. And also these things called Fairchild compressor limiters, which are sort of these magic things that you could either buy a house or you could buy a Fairchild. <laughs> and he has access to these. And he ran our completed tracks through the Neve and through the Fairchild. And he added some kind of sparkle. Because yeah. when I went to him, I said, I want it to be like Badfinger. Right, yeah. And then it completely changed. Yeah. I love Badfinger. Yeah, 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 they were great. And it was around the time that the Beatles, I'm reading your shirt, yeah. had that fabulous <laughs> get back that three-part series that yeah. bored the hell out of us yeah. and then lifted us to the heights yeah. when we finally heard them do Let It Be and all that. Right. Yeah. So we were recording, and uh, Edward Bear, my old band, opened for Badfinger, and I loved them. Right, yeah. And I wanted that kind of sort of that sparkle of a Beatle-esque thing, even yeah. though our song isn't at all like the Beatles. Right. Although some have compared it to certain Beatle tunes. <laughs> they said, hey... Are you, you're taking a page out of Photograph by Ringo. And other people said, <laughs> you sort of sound like B.J. Thomas right. with Reggie yeah. Young on guitar. I said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hooked on a feeling. Yeah. But, I mean, the song is, it's totally its own thing. Right. But, you know, people like to dig and see yeah. where did it come from. And we use some great musicians um, on it as well. Uh, 
the bassist is Russ Boswell. Okay. The uh, keyboard player, piano player is Dennis Keldy. On steel guitar is uh, Burke Carroll. And on drums, Dave Patel and Dave's uh, wife, Wendy, is singing the backup vocals. Right. Um, yeah. And then it's uh, it's me with my guitars. And, right. uh, yeah. and I had a great time recording it here at home. Well, it's got a nice sound and it's a great song. So... So I, I'm, I'm glad to play. I wanted to talk to you more about the fact that you are considered uh, live. You're kind of like an encyclopedia of song in a way. I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned that. Maybe that's the wrong term. But whenever I've seen you, so I've seen you three or four times in my life, and every show is completely different. And you always seem to be able to reach into this history of modern music in a way I've never seen another performer do. And it always, it's to me, I find it very thrilling because I understand the song, I know the songs, but the way you go to them is, blows my head off because it's so impressive in a way, in your live setting, right? I don't know your recorded work too well, but I, I did buy a couple of albums, so I'll, I'll get to know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am delighted yeah. because Guitarchaeology, which I noticed that you bought, yeah. that is, that's like from the heart. All of my years that I love people like Dwayne Eddy, Chet Atkins, Al Kaola. Yeah. Al Kaola sold millions of albums and people might have thought he was sort of an old round-faced guy. But now the more you hear it, the yeah. more you realize here was a brilliant jazz musician who could play in all kinds of concepts. His guitar playing is so melodic. Right. I know he was playing a Gretsch. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't playing, you know, this was no uh, jazz man's tone with no top end right. and no reverb. Right. It was sparkling. Yeah. And sure, he took a lot of uh, a leeway from uh, Dwayne Eddy on a lot of his stuff. And right. Dwayne Eddy was a great hero. So Guitarchaeology, that's an album that's come back to serve me time and time again. And just purely out of the love of the guitar, I mean, the guitar is just the greatest gift of all right. uh, in a, to music, for, for my way of thinking. It's like holding a human being. It's the best instrument. It's so expressive. It's a never-ending journey yeah. into uh, music and, and expression. Love the guitar, and I love making guitar archaeology. I know you'll get a kick out of that album. Yeah. And those songs have come back to serve me in radio and every which way. Yeah. Uh, it just, I'm, you know, that was a wonderful album to make. And it very nearly didn't get made because it was a series of demos. Right. And a bunch of producers said, well, in order to re-record them from scratch, here's the budget we're going to give you. And it was sky high. <laughs> yeah. But one producer said, hey, you know what? Your demos, you did them to a click track. We can make them into your album. Right. Bring us the, the stems. And I brought the reel-to-reel -reel tapes over, yeah. and we made that into our album. Wow. Um, and we recorded some of them in my basement with a full band, some of them without, and we added, and we built. And it's just one of those great things. Yeah. Cities in Blue yeah. is the soundtrack to a TV series. Oh, and the way okay. the TV series came about is purely magical. Right. And I have to thank Lonnie Johnson right. for giving me this great gift. Right. And for being my angel from the dead right. because I went on Kim Mitchell's TV series. I played for free, which every musician says, never do, right. never play for exposure only. Yeah, They said, we can't pay you, but if you do a guest spot, you'll get exposure. I said, sure, it's yeah. TV. Yeah. Let me sing my song about Lonnie Johnson. Right. The owners of the network said, man, that's great. Let's give him his own TV series. And I said, I'll take the series, but let me make the soundtrack because I envisioned a soundtrack album. Right. And there it is. Wow. And that's Cities in Blue. And Na it's still being shown on uh, BBC First right. TV. Right. And it's a it's a blues documentary. Right. Uh, and uh, so I don't know if I rambled away from the question. No, but no. But that's my recorded work. Yeah. And, and about the live thing and the encyclopedia of song, that's another part. Uh, I used to have the name uh, Human Jukebox. Right. And I've tried to outlive that name. Yeah. But you know what? When when you go somewhere and somebody shouts out 
requested, you know, there's nobody else that could pull us out of the bag. Yeah. You got to do it, Doug. Yeah, you yeah. just got to go into Leslie Gore. And the, <laughs> and the promoter says, how dare you? Yeah. This is a blues show. Right, and yeah. you have the nerve to play Leslie Gore. I said, well, I heard two requests at the same time. One is for Death Letter Blues by right. Sunhouse. Right. We just did Walk and Blues. We're going to sing Death Letter? It's a dance. Yeah. And the other was for Leslie Gore. Yeah. Of course we're going to do It's My Party. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'll pay you, but never come back. <laughs> and that was the end of us at that bit. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw you uh, live, I, I, I was kind of surprised. Because first of all, I didn't really know your backstory too well. But then that, that gig, you played for about 45 minutes, but all you played was sort of old Western themes like Bonanza and stuff like that. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And the audience went crazy. And it was so amazing. You just sort of weaved. And I thought you were riffing. Like, I just thought you were just sort of making this stuff up. But then after a while, they were like, they were dead accurate, right? Like, because I didn't really, I was going, wow, I haven't heard those songs for... 30 years so i loved it so much that's why i got the guitarology uh i just I, I really enjoy when you do that but you like the last time i saw you up here you did like almost a whole dance set like it was more of a sort of traditional pop sort of things it was really interesting anyway i digress so oh that's because uh doc that was at atwell right, which is yeah uh one of the beautiful most beautiful places i've ever been and um, the, the, the folks there uh, were so kind to me, and they let me sleep over. They let me kind of live in their place right. for a couple of days. Yeah. But when you're at a dance, you're not going to start teaching people about, you know, the history of uh, yeah, sure. something. You're yeah. going to go and play the rockers. Right. Yeah, yeah. And once they're dancing, yeah. there's no feeling like it, yeah. having a band yeah. and having a dance floor packed with people yeah. and the energy coming back and forth. And we kind of can't do that during COVID no. because everybody's breathing and we're breathing each other's air. Yeah. And the singers and the band are all singing at once. Yeah. It's like tantric almost, if that's the right word. Right. Uh, but I believe that it's, is it Bill and Janine that have um, Atwell? Uh, uh, it's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful facility yeah. in Huntsville. And uh yeah. They really deserve all the success they could have. Yeah, that was a great dance up there. Yeah, but, but the the one you're talking about, the other show you're talking about, is our TV trivia thing we used to do. Oh, okay. Where we would play one TV theme after another. Right. And I got to tell you, that was a great way to learn guitar because yeah. you got to play the melody. Yeah. If you're not playing the melody, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. So now ranking a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So your your uh, your approach to guitar, like when you play, you make it seem uh, almost effortless. You you move your hand. Uh, you don't. You know, a lot of guitar players move their fingers a lot, but you play a lot of notes, but don't seem to move your hand that much. At least to my eye. Um, can you take us a little bit backward to where you started to learn guitar and that sort of the early formation of your style? Like, what did somebody... Absolutely. Yeah. When we were kids, uh, there was all kinds of music in our house. Right. But one thing that was, uh, like, we had Segovia Records. We had Peter, Paul, and Mary. And my brother had all this R&B. And there were Barney Kessel albums. And I started to be interested in the guitar, of course. As as a kid, we had a violin that was my grandfather's. And I didn't want to play it like this. So I'm plunking it like this. So they got me a ukulele. Wound up ukulele. Yeah. And then I'd get the... I was just a child, like four years old. But the guitar is the instrument of the 20th century. Yeah. Even though now we're in the 21st century and synthesizers have taken over and so on and and, and uh, robot music is very popular but guitar still it ranks but now the whole guitar culture is messed up i mean it's just it's kind of sad because it's like a club you know an old but i won't get into that yeah so anyway i started at a time that guitar was everywhere in every kind of music from segovia to Dwayne eddy Al Keola, and then I finally found Charlie Christian, Wes Montgomery. My brother turned me on to Jimmy Reed and John Lee Hooker. Right, yeah. I was interested in the blues. I loved folk music, and of course, I loved Elvis. 
because Elvis was like that guy who, you know, he was a good kid. He loved his mom and he was completely different from everybody else. And he rocked out and he was a young uh, kid from the, you know, the poor part of town right. who sang the blues. I mean, yeah. it just appealed to everybody. Yeah. But Doug, we loved the, we loved Jimmy Reed right. and we loved John Lee Hooker, but he was scary. Yeah. Jimmy Reed. I went crazy for yeah, for sure. Country music, I adored. Right. James Burton right. with Ricky Nelson, yeah. early influence, right. gotta be. Bending strings, what the hell? Yeah. So when I first heard Michael Bloomfield, Eric Clapton, the Yardbirds, that was insane. Right. But first we had to hear the guys on your shirt, man. Yeah, the Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah. Saw them live twice. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yeah. My brother's combing his hair back yeah. like this, greasing yeah. his hair back. Yeah. So what do we need those Beatles for? <laughs> we got Chuck Berry. Right. We got Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. We got Motown. We got, what do we need the Beatles? I said to him, I'm combing my hair forward. They're like us. Yeah. They're young guys. Yeah. They're owning this music. Yeah. So the Beatles, that was it. Yeah. I had been taking drama lessons. I was interested in art, even dance. I thought I could meet girls, but it turned out you had to wear leotards and there were a lot of boys there. Right. So I was more interested in music than art yeah. or, um, but drama I stayed interested in and right. that's why I'm on the radio. Right. Yeah. But um, the guitar is my number one passion. Right. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop dreaming about them. I found uh, a great guitar teacher whose name was Tony Braden. And Tony Braden taught many of my generation, the Don Trianos, Ed Bickert, and all right. of those cats. Yeah. They affiliated with Tony Braden. He was a great teacher. Right. But I wouldn't learn because I'd see the notes on paper and then learn them. And then I'd be like, oh, you know. <laughs> but he taught me well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I did go back to him later in less for lessons. Right. So I became a blues guy. Right. One day, a fellow named Richie York, who's a famous Canadian, yeah, I know him. Uh, oh, well, I know him. Yeah, he brought me an album by a guy named Albert King. Right. And I'm going, hey, he says, you know, you like Clapton, you like this guy. Goes, okay, I put it on. Or on the bird side, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking that guitar sound. That's not what I'm used to. It's thin and tinny. Yeah. yeah. And then suddenly, bam! That's not. That is the the ultimate. Right. And, you know, I mean, ask Jimi Hendrix, ask Stevie Ray Vaughan. Without Albert King, yeah. they wouldn't have a, you know, there'd be a lot of their le lexicon would be gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I totally got into the Albert King, B.B. King, Freddie King. And uh, then when I was at Edward Bear, I was a blues guy, we frog man, we were progressive. I stayed with that. And then after I left that band, I went back to my roots. I refound Merle haggard and merle travis thanks to paul white who mentored the beatles in canada i found uh los indios tabajaras and west montgomery and charlie christian and suddenly the guitar was opened up even more right and in the olden days you want to learn about guitars vintage guitars which are the beautiful instruments you had to get a catalog find an old catalog and we lived with those catalogs. But now there's guitar culture. Right. And people that don't even play have got huge collections. What the hell are they thinking? Right. But hey, uh, that's how it started. I wanted to talk to you more about um, your blues influences and uh, and how come your you know that that roots in because most of your music is based in blues, like your recorded music that I'm aware of. And I didn't get your, I don't think I have your newest album, but uh, um, that that's played a powerful part in your music. Can you take us through that a bit more about, like, did you, how did you get your sound in, around the blues and things like that? Because it's uniquely your own, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure, Doug. I think when it, when it comes to the blues, uh, it used to be that blues came from a very limited uh, part of geographically speaking. Right. That in fact, a lot, a lot of music is geographical. So, you know, you had a sound that was associated with a certain area. Even the Toronto had a, its own sound at one point, 
And we were delighted to be kind of part of that. We were very proud of our Toronto sound, right. uh, which is exemplified mostly, I'd say, by not just Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks, who came up from America, most of them, in the first place, but David Clayton Thomas and the Shays. Right. To me, that was the right. epitome of the of the Toronto sound, yeah. which was a grinding Hammond organ and a Fender Telecaster. Right. We loved that. Yeah. Um, but mm, I was... I came up a little bit after the Telecaster period. And so the Gibson SG, that was my first good electric guitar. Right. And that's, that's the one that I, I started uh, to play on the junior when I was just a kid of uh, 13 years old, I had enough money to buy my own electric guitar. I started with the SG and I loved the blues. And we had that blues influence, not only from Eric Clapton and, uh, and Michael Bloomfield and their bands, uh, Cream and the Paul Butterfield blues band, but uh, the people that preceded them in the blues, like the Rolling Stones, you might think, oh, the Stones. But boy, when the Stones were out originally, they were a great uh, original sounding blues band. Yeah. That they, you know, they had a, they owed a great debt to Chess Records, right. but they, they made their own songs. Just, um, I was just listening to Good Times, Bad Times by the Rolling Stones and thinking of how unique that is. What a great take that is in the blues. Um, and I, I guess that's what I wanted to do for myself. I think uh, part of it is also that, Doug, you know, a lot of guitar players and musicians, they learn from the records. They want to play it note for note. They used to, in the olden days, slow the record down, right down yeah. and try and get it exactly like somebody did. I never did that. I played everything in the wrong key. So already I was had to have my way with it. Right. Um, and having learned from Jimmy Reed and, John Lee Hooker and the originals. Um, I did have a bit of that by the time the Stones and, and the rest of them came out. Uh, so that uh, I was influenced by everything all around. I never tried to play like anybody else. And in Edward Bear, our, our first group, I was a dedicated blues guy when we started doing that. And uh, we recorded every day. I have the blues and hideaway. And a lot of guys learned how to play the blues from the records, they learned from my mistakes, right. how to make their own, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. Played in the wrong key and everything. Right. But, but um, I mean, what's the sense of trying to sound like, you know, you could be told, you're pretty good, but you're no Chet Atkins kind of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, how many guys tried to sound exactly like Chet? Yeah. For me, it was more like, what can I take from Chet Atkins and Los Indios Tabajaras and add to my playing rather than how can I copy Chet? Right or Merle Travis, or anybody like that. It just, it's just no sense. Um, I heard Albert Lee very early on, and I went, what the hell is he doing? Right. Then I heard Jerry Reed after, and I went, that's uh, what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Open string banjo rolls right. played on the guitar, right. where you play a fretted note, and then an open note adjacent to it. And wow, that Jerry Reed was amazing with that. And Albert Lee, too. Right. But, I mean, I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit down and try and figure it out note for note. I'm just going to take the impression of it and, and mix it in, you know. Yeah. Because, man, if you don't sound like yourself, who the hell do you sound like? Yeah, so, and then after a while, nobody's interested, right? Um, now, did you yeah. did you have any trouble? I mean, one of the things that always caused me grief was the fact that so many of the... Uh, great blues artists uh, altered their tuning somehow or drop tuned, you know, like for years, it, it took me forever to understand, for example, that Jimi Hendrix was in, uh, you know, he flatted his guitar. He wasn't in standard tuning. And we <laughs> we would try to figure these songs out and just, did you, did you understand that right away intuitively or did you, somebody help you along, give you some insight into that or... Or did it bother you? You just heard Not it. really in that regard. Um, again, because I didn't really play along with the records, yeah. even when I played a Beatles song like All My Lovin'. Right. I, I think All My Lovin' is not in the key of C. No. But for some reason, I played it in C. Right. So, uh, yeah. so I kind of figured out the solo. Yeah. Because the solo that George plays in All My Lovin' is completely Chet Atkins influenced. Right, yeah. And after all, he played it on a Chet Atkins Country yeah. Gentleman right. when they recorded yeah yeah um but but so i it didn't bother me whatever key these guys or whatever the fingering they were using i never tried to copy it yeah. and and so it didn't stop me from playing it um i used to think it was terrible that i played everything wrong until i heard chet atkins himself say 
man, I've been playing that song by Los Indios, Tabby Harris, 20 years. And until I saw them play it in person, I never realized I was doing it wrong. Uh, yeah. And I thought, well, if Chet's doing it wrong and, and others are doing it wrong, I can do it wrong too. And yeah. it's right for me because, right. you know, that's how I do it. So yeah. I, I let myself off the hook on that because otherwise, if you're really trying to copy somebody, you know what? And I hear this in blues too. Muddy Waters already made that record. Yeah. So don't try and sound like Muddy Waters, even to the point it's interesting that you you put scratches on there to make it sound like it's an old 78. Yeah, but yeah. Doesn't make come sense. On. Yeah. You know, it's already been done. Yeah. What do you got to add to that? And, yeah. And that's really, uh, I think, important. You know, um, one of the things that intrigued me about Muddy Waters was that he talked about... Uh, that with the slide, he was able to reach these microtones, right? I, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about that. And uh, I have. And I've always been very intrigued by that because he, in one incredible article in Rolling Stone, he mentioned that, that was a, there was healing power in there, that by using the vibrations in a certain way, you could heal people, right? Have you ever heard of that? So I've asked a couple of blues guys about that, whether they've ever felt that that was one of the magical uh, elements of blues, that as a oppressed people, you find a way to heal each other through music. Isn't that, isn't that wild? I mean, is that possible, do you think? I don't know. Absolutely possible. Not, not only that, but I don't know if it's provable, but I believe it's true. Um, Achila told me that when she heard the song of Freddie King, Same Old Blues, she yeah. said, this is it. This is the real stuff. She right. said, this rewired my brain, right. she said. And what I say is this, music heals. Radio is a lifeline. Right. Music definitely can heal you. Music definitely makes you feel better. Music, when you get that, like the thing that Robbie Robertson brings when you get goosebumps right. when his song comes on, yeah. that, there's no question that that's a healing thing. Yeah. There's no question that it that it it gives you life and it brings youth back. Right. Uh, uh, absolutely. And I was thinking the other day about the microtones that you spoke about, Muddy Waters, because someone said, "Well, there's only eight notes," you know, right? Or whatever they said. Yeah. And then they said, and they they represented being a music fan by showing a, a, a GIF, is it or emojis, whatever? Right. Yeah. Of, of notes on a staff. I said, you know, if you're a blues person, you don't represent music with notes on a staff because blues cannot be bloody well notated. Right. It's not. Now, yeah. I, I don't understand the microtones, but I, I think that even Stevie Ray Vaughan caught onto that. He's not my absolute favorite, yeah. but I think he, he heard that. Uh, Albert King definitely yeah. got that. And Muddy Waters, for sure. He was, not only did he play it, but he was aware he was playing it, as you just said from that quote. Yeah. The mic that he knew that those microtones are yeah. in there. Well that's a fast you don't have to be Ravi Shankar. <laughs> yeah. Well it's because he was using the slide because so he could get right into a different place in between the frets and things. I I've always been I've I've always been fascinated by that element of music. Anyway, I, I'm kind of digressing. You know, when I think of the early days of Toronto music, of course for me the band that stood out was the Ugly Ducklings. They were the ones that grabbed my heart. Were you around? Was that, be, were you kind of before that? Were you after that, I mean? Or was that bef like when uh, Edward Bear oh, came along? You were oh, kind all of... All right, I'll tell you. The, um, when, when I was old enough to get down to Yorkville, uh, which is where the Ducks played at a place called Charlie Brown's. Right. We went to Charlie Brown's. We saw um, Newton Garwood dearly departed wonderful wonderful man that some people will remember playing with a band there and i thought this was the greatest thing i'd ever seen we saw a toronto group called the collectors there oh, i didn't yeah, see right. dave and the, the ugly ducks there but i was well aware of them and you know we covered nothing on the album big town boy oh, and dave you? bingham said it's one of his favorite covers of that song you got the album there no <laughs> i gotta go look at it so up. we uh, yeah uh, Dave loved our cover of it, and David and I eventually um, reconnected. And by the way, he's somebody that you'd love to chat with. He's very friendly, and he's got a new um, song out called I Can't Breathe. Really? And although it's kind of retro, it's retro 80s and 90s. Right. So it's very cool, and I think it's very emotional. 
The yeah. ducks were as big as the stones in Toronto. Yeah. But for me, uh, the the greatest, uh, my favorite Toronto band, we did see the Sparrow at the Albany. Right, yeah. I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah. When I saw the Poppers, Doug, yeah. I, I thought this was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. They had a bass player named Danny Girard, right. who was, and I'm not Jaco Pastorius fan. Yeah. I think Jaco Pastorius, for all that he's done, yeah. hasn't really helped bass players in bar bands much right. because they all try and, you know, overplay. But he's a tremendous technician. So this fellow in the poppers, his name is Danny Girard. He yeah, was amazing him. on yeah. the Fender yeah. bass. Yeah. Skip Prokop, their drummer, yeah. had been a drummer in a marching band. He had incredible chops. Right. Chuck Beeler, guitarist, had a way with the Echoplex and the Echo Unit. Yeah. It wasn't an Echoplex, but it was an Echo Unit. Right. And he just made the most psychedelic sounds. Yeah. And there are two singers that I saw them with, Bill Marion and Adam Mitchell, were both wonderful, like channeling John Lennon. Right. The poppers were terrific. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Luke and the Apostles with Mike McKenna right. were another favorite. Right. David Clayton Thomas and the Shays, although I never saw them live, I got to connect with Freddie Keeler, their guitarist. Right. I got to honor him and his family, and it was really a treat. Right. Freddie Keeler was outstanding. He was Eric Clapton right. to us and Robbie Robertson as well. So, yeah, you know, we were just after them. Right. But we definitely had uh, the Toronto Sound in our blood. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Did, uh, Nucleus yeah. Right. and Foot in Cold Water right. and uh, a few other bands right. too. That we yeah. Well, that's the era. And, you know, I... I I got deeply involved with uh, some of those bands because I, uh, I, I was running the student council in my high school and I was allowed to book bands, right? So, <laughs> so I was booking all of these bands. And uh, that was my first sort of uh, introduction to uh, sort of major... What high school, Doug? I went to Lively High School in Lively. In, uh, do you know outside of Sudbury? Yeah, it's a little t- wow. it's a little mining town outside of Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah, so wow, you know, and David Clayton well, we Thomas played at North Bay. Yeah, sure. Well, David he, Clayton he came up there. He used to play in Sudbury all the time. In fact, he got stabbed in the leg one time up up there in uh, some some hotel. They they got pretty crazy in the hotels, right? So uh, that I was only a kid then. That was like around. I was around fourteen when all of that was going down. But uh, he was up there all the time, and David, and then David Wilcox Wilcox came up a lot after that. But anyway, but I, I remember those days so fondly. So Danny, one one thing we should uh, because I'm going to run out of time again on this stupid thing. Let's uh, let's uh, talk about your radio career because that's a really important part of your. Uh, your overall music, uh, what would I call it, approach? It absolutely or, is. Yeah. You know, my dad told me that when he was a kid in the 1920s, he built a crystal set. Really? And one of the things he listened to was the Cotton Club right. with Cab Calloway right. on his crystal radio. As a kid, he lived not only a few blocks away from where we are now on Parliament Street in Toronto. So dad listened to that. But when I heard dad play the harmonica, he was outstanding. And it took me many years to hear a guy named D. Ford Bailey. And D. Ford Bailey was one of the first stars of the Grand Old Opry. Right. The black man, a tiny man, not very healthy, but wonderfully presented. Uh, He had a short life, but a great life. And he was a great harmonica player. And he was a black man on the Grand Ole Opry. Who would have thought? Right. His radio, nobody cared what his skin color was. Yeah. When I heard D. Ford Bailey, I went, Dad must have heard him too. Yeah. Well, my brother also built radios with a little toilet paper roll and stuff. And he ran a cable into my room. So I was always interested in radio. At age 12, I was taking drama lessons from Dora Maver Moore. And if you know what the Dora Awards are, right. you know that they're named after this woman. Right. Drama was a big thing for me. And CBC let me on a, on a radio drama. And we all gathered around that big RCA ribbon mic. Yeah. And they had their arms around each other's shoulders and scripts. And, and they made sound effects with crinkling up cellophane. Foley, sound like yeah. a fire. Yeah. And coconut hooves on the yeah. table right. to sound like the horse coming down the street. Yeah. Radio captured my imagination. But I only did that one show. And then one day in about 1987, I got a call from David Malahoff. He said, I'm with CBC. 
Arthur Black has a wonderful Saturday morning program. I had no idea. And they brought me on Arthur Black. And the first thing I did was name the TV tune. And I sang, you know who was smarter than the average bear. Right. And he went, Yogi Bear. I said, right. you got it. Right. And then I played Bonanza on my guitar. And he went, Bonanza. So they said, you know what? This was clever. Let's get you in on the radio more often. Yeah. They taught me how to make radio. Arthur Black, Sheila Rogers, Danny Marks. Right. We were the humline right. on CBC Radio. Right. And that was a time, Doug, that could never come back. Mm -hmm. People phoned up and said, my grandfather used to sing us this song when we were kids. Or we had a music box that played this and we would identify the song. Sure, it was scripted. But in those days, CBC had writers, producers. Yeah. There was a guy on the other side of the glass that pointed at you and go, speak. And you would do your thing. <laughs> yeah, go on. To, to I was it. there for years. Yeah. Oh, God, it was beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. And Sheila Rogers taught me, when you're on the radio, smile. Because a listener can hear you smiling. Yeah, exactly. And I always remember, yeah. you're only talking to one person. Right, yeah. You're not talking to, hey, everybody, yeah. out there in Radio Land. Yeah. I mean, that might have worked. But they taught me how radio is one-on-one. -on -one. Like the song says, that's how it's done. Right. We'll have fun together. Right. You and me got a sweet frequency. Right. You know, it's all about radio frequency. Right. So CBC nurtured me, David Malahoff, Sheila, Arthur. Eventually, Dinah Christie took Sheila's place. A talk about a Canadian superstar right. of stage and screen, Dinah Christie, my goodness. So one day, the boss at CBC, his name was Anton Leo, came over. He'd never paid me any attention. He kissed me on the cheek. And shortly after that, I never worked for CBC again. Really? And it was like, wow, is this how you get... <laughs> but around that time, I got a call from a guy named Chuck Camru, a real radio guy. He says, Danny, it's Chuck Camru. I'm over here at CJRT. We're reinventing this Jazz FM 91. You know, the internet's coming. We think you'd be the perfect guy for a Saturday night program. Would you come in and talk to me? So I came in. I passed the audition. But his, apparently his advisor said, what are you... How can you hire this guy? Yeah. What does he know about? He's never done. He's never produced. Chuck said, I got, I got a feeling about this guy. <laughs> he didn't talk in that voice. Yeah. Anyway, they hired me. Yeah. And that was like, that was um, almost 25 years ago. Right. So that's when I started with Blues FM. And when I started there, I had a script on a piece of paper that I would read. Good evening uh, and welcome. Right. And they made fun of me. I said, I'm scared if I am at a loss for words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like, what'll I say? Because yeah. we were pre-recording. Right. And uh, anyway, I threw those scripts away after about a month. Yeah. And that was like close to 25 years ago. Man, you know it, Doug. Radio is a lifeline. I love making it. Yeah. I'm still happy to be there. You can never uh, stop counting your blessings because you never know when that last day could come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah. you know it's gonna come. Yeah, it can happen to any of us. Yeah, yeah. I've seen so many people uh, come and go from radio. And, right. Uh, yeah. So many greats that really should still be on the air. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. Now, did you start when you started with uh, what, what's the what's your your station? Uh, what, Jazz uh, FM ninety one is yeah, what we yeah, are. Yeah. At which used to be CJRT. Okay. It's a uh, one of the first, if not the very first. FM radio station in Canada right. with original content. There right. might have been somebody that was on the FM dial, right. but uh, they were the first to have uh, original content, and they were affiliated with Ryerson. Right, okay, point. okay. And, uh, we, somehow they've stayed alive yeah. and grown and changed and yeah. morphed, and we're still around. That's good. Now, were you live on air initially? Did you go d direct uh, to air? The only time we're, we've been live on air and I hope this isn't a big secret, has been during our pledge drive. Okay. Otherwise, um, I'm pre-recorded, which, Doug, okay. yeah. I like the best because that's how I learned on CBC yeah. to pre-record. Right. Um, because then you have the option. You can riff. I mean, right. I don't go from a script. I riff like I'm live. Right. And then when I play it back, I go, oh, you know what? I shouldn't say that. Somebody could be offended by this. Yeah. 
exactly. Because people are easily offended these days. Yeah. It's a very sensitive, politically correct time. Yeah. And you have to be careful. Yeah. But you can't let that stop you from speaking from the heart. Yeah. So I have my own little safety valve. I go, uh, you know what? I'm a man. I shouldn't say this. It might be interpreted wrong. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I'm a bit of a loose cannon. So it gives me a chance to, whoa. Yeah. 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 So um, even when I, first, when I first started, I had a producer. Right. And then one day they said, look, you guys have got to learn to produce your own programs. And my producer at the time said, you'll never make a program for yourself as good as the one I made for you. <laughs> and I said, I'm taking that as a challenge. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do make great programs. Right. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love being the man in the radio. Right. And that's why I thought this song has got to speak about honestly. Yeah. I, there's no sense me using a, you know, how many guys do you hear sing the blues in a, oh, I got the blues. Yeah. What the hell is that? Now, where's your own voice? Yeah. Now, does your, uh, does your, uh, station like does your show go out on the internet as well or or is it just strictly radio yeah man. Yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah so, like so you can hear us on www.jazz.fm okay or you can hear me on 91.1 fm real radio right and I, people tell me that actual radio has a different sound than when you're hearing it on the internet yeah there's it, sort of a it, spongy quality to it like yeah tactile right well i think you know i think the yeah, the radio, yeah, when you hear it on the radio or on your car or something, you, you feel more connected, that's for sure, than the internet. It's a, it's a different vibe, yeah. for sure, that's for sure. I guess to wrap things up, what's what's coming next for Danny Marks? Like, what are you planning on? So you got some more singles planned. What about, have you, are you going to do, like, internet shows or... Yeah, YouTube, how to play guitar series or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, I do want to say, Doug, please do let me know every, when this is broadcast. Oh, I will for sure. Yeah, every time. Yeah, however it's done, uh, I, so that I can connect it to uh, Facebook, right? Which is you know where a lot of us actually live our lives. Yeah. Um, the the next things in the future, we're tentatively going back to performance right we may play at a couple of small clubs that we love right. in the toronto area we do have a couple of bookings lined up to play at the orangeville uh jazz and blues festival right in uh, i believe that's in june right and so we're starting to tentatively tiptoe back into a live performance my tv series is seen on bbc first uh tv it's called cities in blue and it's a really good history of eight places where the blues was heard originally places like um, memphis chicago yeah. uh, texas and so right. forth yeah uh, and that's a really good series that i hope people will watch yeah um and yeah we're going to continue on with making the recordings after man in the radio has run its course as a single uh, i hope to be able to come out with the, the next song which is going to have hopefully universal appeal and it's going to be a little more in the blues realm right. just to satisfy all the blues DJs who told me that well, we can't play this on our program because <laughs> it's not blues. Yeah, We yeah. only play blues. Right. And I like to know why they think so-and-so's latest recording, which to me sounds like rock yeah. and it's guitar through so many transistorized pedals. Right. You can't believe it. Right. Like really bad, loud rock guitar tone. Right. But they call blues? That's fine. I'm not calling something blues that is not blues right but I, but other people have said there's there's a little blues in everything that i play yeah but just a little yeah. because after all i'm not from mississippi right. but um but this is the plan is to move ahead with the next recordings because i grew up on hit radio and pop radio a lot and i want to make hits i want to make those short songs that people go wow yeah that hits me right, right. here that's right. a hit you know yeah so, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're going back to playing, keeping the radio program alive. We're going to keep recording. TV series is on. And we're hoping for the best for this world because yeah. um, we haven't talked about it and it's not within the realm of this broadcast. But bad things are happening to yeah. the planet all around. Yeah. And the very wealthy people are controlling a lot of stuff. 
Yeah. It's like, you know, media, my goodness, you know, what's happening. And it's too much for us to really comprehend. Yeah. It's, it's very worrisome. And, uh, you know, if you're older, like myself, it, it feels like, uh, like the world, the legacy we're leaving for our grandchildren is just, just not tolerable. I mean, I don't understand. It seems like we're just losing our marbles somewhere. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's very worrisome for me personally. I, I find it uh, quite unsettling, but uh, what I don't know what to do about it, right? Like, I, I feel like I'm helpless in the face of all of this, but uh, got the show. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I share that. I think the best thing, that's why we have music. Yeah. And that's why we have our radio programs mm-hmm. is to yeah. just offer up something else. Yeah. And at times even to ignore all that nonsense, to tune out the static, yeah. and turn up the music. Yeah. Because like we said, music does heal. Right. And, and we can use music to help heal the world. Right. And, and that's, the, that's the currency of our lives, you and yours and mine, Doug. Yeah. You've been in music all your life. Right. You were a preteen like 14 or whatever, a young teenager, yeah. you're booking bands in some crazy town north of Sudbury. Yeah. Music is your life too, man. Yeah, yeah. No, I've loved it all my life. So listen, I'll let you go. It's a great... Uh, oh, I'm running out of time, they're telling me. Uh, really, all right, Doug. Really great to talk to you. Peace and love. Thanks for everything, Danny. Yeah, man. I'll see you up there. Yeah. I'll be up there. Yeah. Take care. This is Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Doug McLean.